0: You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans. From the West Coast, I'm your host, Zach Moore today is sunday july 2nd 2023 and i'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow south stands contributor paige van horn from denver pvh how's it going my friend
1: it's going well buddy it's good to talk to you it's been too long happy to uh connect here and uh The summer months, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for for recommending that we do this.
0: I'm super psyched and it's always good to hear your voice, my friend. Yeah, as always. Um, Now, I keep telling our listeners that we're an in-season podcast and we seldom have much to say during the off-season, yet here we are, our third pod since the spring game. (laughs) I guess we just can't help ourselves. But hey, man, we are only a month away from the start of fall camp, PBH. That's crazy. The exact start date is still TBD, but last year fall practices began on August 4th. In 2021, it was August 3rd. Big Ten media days are July 26th and 27th. I always kind of feel like the season starts at Big Ten media days. And I think last year, that's where Ryan Day announced the start date for fall practice. So that's probably when we'll find out exactly when they start. Probably going to be August 3rd or 4th would be my guess. And we are exactly two months from Ohio State's season opener against Indiana in Bloomington on September 2nd. So super excited
1: about that. Man, You know what's the best part about that, buddy? What's that? I'm just looking at it right now. It's a 3.30 start. Oh, joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to hope
0: and pray for fewer noon Eastern oh kicks God. for your sake, my friend. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Well, Youngstown State looks like a noon kick. Oh, boy. With that. One no, you can sleep through better. that one. Yeah. yeah, you, yeah you can yeah. record that. Watch it on YouTube the next day. <laughs> so we are here,
0: of course, today to preview Ohio State's 2023 opponents And, of course, to talk about our expectations for the coming season. Spoiler alert, it's college football playoff or bust, right, PBH? Yeah, as always. (laughs) As always. Now, this is very likely, Ohio State, the 2023 edition of Ohio State is very likely a preseason top three or four team, I would think. Now, I picked up a couple of of season preview magazines to prep for this pod, Athlon Sports and Lindy's. Now, Athlon's has Ohio State number five in their preseason rankings. Lindy's has them number three. Uh, The ESPN 2023 Football Power Index has Ohio State number one. For whatever that's worth. So expectations, as usual, through the roof.
1: Hmm.
0: Now, PVH, I want to get us started by having a quick post-spring reset of the Ohio State roster because there have been some notable updates to the roster since you and I last talked about it back in January. Now, the Buckeyes returned 12 starters, seven on offense, five on defense from a team that went 11-2, and as we remember, made the college football playoff and finished number 4 in the final AP and coaches' polls. Ohio State was very active in the transfer portal this offseason, especially on defense. They added safety jihad Carter from Syracuse, cornerback Davison Igbenoson, and defensive tackle Tywan Malone from Ole Miss. Lorenzo Styles Jr. from Notre Dame. Now Styles Jr. played receiver for the Irish, but he's going to move to corner. For the Buckeyes. And then they added two offensive tackles, Josh Simmons from San Diego State and Victor Cutler from Louisiana Monroe. Now Cutler is likely to move to the inside if he plays at all. He's likely to move to the inside, probably play center or guard. But Simmons, uh, he's a candidate to actually start a tackle for Ohio State. We'll, we'll get to Simmons here in a minute. Now, we know Ryan Day is going to have a new signal caller. It's going to be either J- junior Kyle McCord or second-year man Devin Brown. I personally think this is going to be a real competition this fall. I don't think McCord blew anyone away in the spring game, and we didn't really get to see Brown in that game, but we didn't get to see him at all because of an injury to a finger on right. his throwing hand. Brown's going to be back to 100% for fall camp, though, and I think he's going to give McCord a run for his money in the fall camp PBH. The last time we talked about qu- the quarterback competition, you like Brown to win it. Is that still the case? I,
1: yeah, but that's based on nothing, right? Like, it's, <laughs> I have no inside information whatsoever. I right. just like, I think in the college game, having a mobile quarterback is, you know, just such a distinct advantage. Totally. And if that's, you know, what Brown has over McCord, then I would prefer to see him, you know, all, all things other, obviously being equal and right. hence why I kind of maybe give him the edge over McCord, but you know, you never know, right? Like these mm-hmm. guys, I mean, we've seen it for, for, with day with all these guys, you know, like, oh boy, here we go. He's going to break in a new quarterback. And next thing you know, like five weeks into it, we're raving about, you know, just the obscene <laughs> numbers they're putting up. So totally. um, if it's one or the other fine. Uh, but yeah, maybe I'm, I, I'd am i still run with Brown, I guess, to yeah. answer your question.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a competition. I'm looking forward to it. Now, Ohio State's going to be as good as any team at the skill positions, uh, starting with the best receiver room in America, headlined by Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka, And they have a very deep room of running backs, assuming health, which we couldn't last year, but assuming health this year, very deep room of running backs. Trevion Henderson, Mayan Williams, and then, you know, Dallin Hayden and Chip and both played very well when their numbers were called last year. And uh, at tight end, Cade Stover returns, and many project Stover to be one of the top tight ends in the country. So good to have Stover back. Now, where there are questions, major questions in my view, are along the offensive line, especially at tackle. Paris Johnson Jr. and Dewan Jones are off to the NFL. Now, many believe Josh Fryer, who was Ohio State's sixth man along the offensive line last season, he's, he's expected to lock down one of the two tackle spots, probably left tackle. And then a lot of the experts think that Josh Simmons, the San Diego State transfer, is the man to lock down the other tackle spot. Simmons is a big dude, six foot six, 305 pounds, with a lot of raw talent. He was a four star prospect out of California. Justin Fry recruited Simmons when he was at UCLA. But man, last season, Simmons led SDSU in pressures allowed, penalties, and sacks allowed. His overall <laughs> PFF grade was 47.1. So man, he's going to have to level up
1: fast. Right. Um, so that begs the question, is he in the transfer portal to go someplace better because he's or is he in, in there because yeah. he, he's he's not even good enough to play for San Diego State? I, uh, yeah. And I remember you sending out that stuff when like, ugh, you know, they made a big deal about it. You can kind of look at it and it's like, oh man, are we really that thin and desperate on offensive I know. line? Oh it be.
0: Yeah, I, the one thing about Simmons, I, I, there is a little more background on him that's pretty interesting. So, uh, you know, his recruitment occurred during COVID, right? He had to make his college choice during COVID and wasn't able to take any visits. And he ended up staying home. I believe he's from the San Diego area. So he, he just decided to stay at home. Um, but he was a four star prospect. He was definitely good enough to garner some interest. Uh, from UCLA when Justin Fry was there. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping for the best here. But yeah, I'm with you, man. Those numbers last year as a first-year starter for SDSU, not promising. He's going to have to level up and fast. And the Buckeyes, we think, are going to be very good on the interior with Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones at guard. They have a couple options at center. Carson Hinsman played very well in the spring. He's a second-year man. And then senior Jacob James is another name to watch at center. But man, those tackle spots. And I think even the overall depth of the offensive line are a major concern for me. PBH, why don't you give me a couple thoughts, kind of overarching thoughts on the Ohio State offense as we head
1: into fall camp? Well, offensive line will be huge and then quarterback, right? I mean, it's it's the same thing, right? Every year, it's the most important position. Um, so, you know, like I thinking back to last year, right? With CJ coming back for a second year, that's why I think we were all in like look, man, you got to cash in the chip this year to win a national mm-hmm. championship. They came damn close. We don't have to go back and relitigate that. that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the wide receivers, the freshman wide receivers coming in, yeah. you know, are going to be special. Ninnis, yeah, y- And you know that because the four stars that they recruited last year have already transferred out, right? <laughs> it's just like yeah. the writing's on the wall, like, oh, my God, I'm never going to play here. It's so right. absurd. Um, so, you know... It, they're gonna be streaking wide open. So hopefully McCord or Brown or you know, just you know, I, I don't maybe only have to manage the game, but that that might be enough, right? And then um, you know, the running backs, Evan Pryor back to like man, he showed some flashes uh before he got injured at running back. So like you said, that position is stacked. It's all gonna come down to you know, the offensive line and, you know, one of these young quarterbacks can step up. The tools are there. The weapons are there. Uh, Would you say they had nine returning starters?
0: Yes. So a total of, let's see, 12, I believe. Yeah, 12, seven on offense, five on defense. Okay, seven. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it'll be fun to watch them on offense. Um, For sure. And Yeah. If they can plug those holes, they're going to be, they're going to be tough to stop. Obviously they're going to be tough to stop anyways, but you know um, it'll be fun. I'm with you. Uh, you know, some consider quarterback
0: a question mark this season, but I find it much more an area of intrigue for me than concern I because I have the utmost faith in Ryan Day's track record with first year starters. You know, we talk about it all the time, right? His last three first year starters at quarterback all to New York as Heisman finalists. And then they were all first round draft picks as well, ultimately. And whether it's McCord or Brown, you know, I expect Ohio State to be very good, highly productive at quarterback. I, I think. You're probably right. I mean, I I don't think they have to always, they're not always going to be asked to win the game. They'll probably have to make throws, right? Um, but, um, But yeah, I mean, I think that I have the utmost faith in the talent that's around them. It's not like our quarterbacks are one and
1: two star guys either, right? No, I mean, right. I mean absolutely highly touted, tons of skill, right? Top one hundred I mean, players. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Exactly. It's what you kind of the reload
0: sort of scenario. Absolutely. A good reason to trust their right, their recruiting pedigree, right. Ryan Day's track record, all the skill talent around them. Um, the only thing I think in my mind that could derail the offense this year is the offensive line. I think we're both, you know, in lockstep on that. Uh, yeah. and then the the other question I have is how much freedom? Will Brian Hartline get to actually yeah. call plays as the new OC? Yeah. And and I guess more importantly, does he have a talent for it? We're gonna find out.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a big a big uh, variable. Um, yeah. you know, and going back to, you know, last year and uh, you know, your point where, you know, Day might really need to consider this and you know, be more a manager of the whole scheme offensively and defensively. Uh, Yeah. That's a pretty big change, right? I mean, I think you could definitely, you know, that, that could, that could derail things and then, you know, watch it start off poorly and he has to, you know, do an about face on it and take back over, you know, he probably never admit it publicly. You can never really tell who's doing what, but um, yeah, that's a huge, huge uh, change for the offense as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. uh,
0: yeah, very intriguing. All right, let's have a quick look at the defense. All the ingredients are there from a personnel standpoint to be a championship-level unit. I think Ohio State has a chance to be very, very good in the front seven with JT tui Jack Sawyer, and Mike Hall Jr. anchoring the defensive line. They'll be very good at linebacker, again, with Tommy Eikenberg steel chambers, a sprinkling of Cody Simon, and then the five-star CJ Hicks. And mm-hmm. by all accounts... Cornerbacks Denzel Burke and Jordan Hancock are both healthy. They both had great springs. And I think many of us are expecting Davison Igbenosin, the old miss transfer, to play a lot as well. And some folks think he might even start opposite, uh, you know, opposite Denzel Burke. Actually, both of these preseason magazines I looked at have Igbenosin as the starter. But, you know, either way, Tim Walton has to feel really good about all three of those at cornerback. And in, in fact, you know, quarterback might actually be a strength this year for the first time in a few uh, seasons. Finally, I think there are a lot of good options to fill the three safety spots. We know Lathan Ransom is a lock at one of those spots. I personally think Sonny Styles will emerge from fall camp as another. He's just, just too much talent. Uh, that's certainly my hope, at least. And then I think Jihad Carter, you know, who was a three-year starter at Syracuse, is going to be your starter at cover safety. Now we know Josh Proctor and Cam Martinez. My guy, Cam Martinez, are also in the mix at safety. But man, I'm highly skeptical, as you well know, PBH, yeah. that either of them is going to play well enough to win a yeah, starting you, job. This you didn't fall. send
1: him a birthday card? Did
0: you? <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, you know, and, and you know, man, I love Proctor. I I was his biggest fan for years and years. But man, we're heading into year six. I don't know what else the coaching staff needs to see. and He gets um, the Todd Beckman role. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, Beckman, yeah, he and Beckman. Was, was Beckman six years? I know he was he at least five. It seemed like it was six, that's for sure.
1: Five.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, PBH, give, give me a few thoughts on the defense as we head into fall camp. Uh,
1: well, I, you know, I mean, it's got to be as good as a defense or, you know, on paper as we've had coming in in a long time that I can remember, yeah. right? Like. Mm-hmm. You know, so God, just, you know, again, minimize the big plays, uh, you know, maybe not so aggressive. Right. I yeah. mean, um, especially in the biggest moments, I don't know. Um, but that's why that you know, they paid Knowles all that money. I was actually thinking on my bike ride today, I was going to ask you, uh, is this a contract year for Knowles? And probably is right. Like yeah. you can't have breakdowns. Like you know, again, like year two, right? Like yeah. legitimately cost a, that team a national championship last year. If you're just freaking putting somebody on a, you know, receiver streaking down the field, 15 yards without anyone next to him, <laughs> Um, so just, and, and get styles on to get your best players, you know, on the field. Yep. Um, and I mean the amount of talent, right. I mean, hall's probably going, you know, I saw a projection he's a first rounder, Burke, uh JT's a first. I mean, <laughs> the amount of talent on that defense is absurd. Yes. Uh there's no reason on the planet they're not a top 10 defense across the board. I like, think I think anything less than that, uh, you know, would would be considered, you know, a failure. So yep. Knowles, figure out what you need to figure out. You're in a, probably in a contract year. Um, and it, they should be really, really fun to watch. I, I agree. I mean, I, I,
0: you know, I'll even go so far as to say is Ohio State's national title hopes are largely a conversation about defense. And I'll, I'll say it again. I, I hate to be a broken record, but look, in 2022, the failures of Jim Knowles' defense and high leverage moments in Ohio State's biggest games were as bad as anything we saw from the Kerry Combs Matt Barnes disaster in 2021, or the Greg Schiano tragic comedy in 2018, I mean, that was as bad as I thought it could get on defense for Ohio State, and yet it was worse under Jim Knowles last season when it came to allowing back-breaking explosive plays. Was it
1: statistically worse, or it was just happened in the it, worst times in the it, the biggest game?
0: You know, I I I don't have stats right now to back that yeah. up, but uh, it was about on par.
1: With 2021, no, no I'm not. Yeah, I'm it, not. I am completely agreeing with you. No yeah, it wouldn't surprise me statistics crazy. It was even as bad.
0: Well, you know what? And I'd have to, I'd have to dig these stats up, but they were not. The last year's defense was not as impactful in making splash plays as we thought. In fact, they were only marginally better in tackles for loss, quarterback sacks, forcing turnovers, that sort of thing, than they were the year before. Uh, in fact, I think the 2021 defense was a little bit better in some of those areas. I don't have the the stats here in front of me, but Look, you're paying, you're paying as you've mentioned, uh, Knowles is making $2 million a year. He's the highest paid defense coordinator uh, in the country. A lack of talent and a new scheme, no longer excuses for Jim Knowles, right? right? I mean, no. the, the talent, the, the young guys that they've elevated are have higher upside and are more talented than, than the guys that just left. Right, guys like Sonny Styles, you, C.J. Hicks is going to see some time. You brought a, a couple of guys out of the portal in Davison, Igbonosen, and Jihad Carter, Taiwan Malone. He'll be a uh, you know he's another I think a top one hundred prospect. From Old Miss, who'll be a rotational player at defensive tackle. So they have added more talent either v- via the transfer portal or elevating you know younger players in, into you know starting roles or getting more playing time. So absolutely no excuses. I'm one hundred percent agreement with you. Um, I, I want to see more from the defensive line. I want to see more production from the defensive line. I think they're going to be I think the the floor is very good. And I think the ceiling for the defensive line could be very special. I hesitate to say very special because it's been a long time since we've seen a really, truly special defensive line at Ohio State. Personally, I think you got to go all the way back to 2017. That was Nick Bosa, Sam Hubbard, Tyquan Lewis. I mean, that they were end to end. That defensive line was loaded. You know, the Chase Young defensive line in 2019 was good, but they had a singular talent. In mm-hmm. Young, who was truly great. The rest of that line was solid. They weren't, you know, great. But I think you've got to go all the way back to 2017 since Ohio State had a truly dominant, truly special end-to-end defensive line. And I think that's that's in the cards for that defense, potentially. But I think the floor is they'll be very good and certainly good enough to win a national championship. So that's Are how I see moving,
1: it. Uh, is he moving Sawyer to the other end? What's he doing? That's with right. Sawyer? He
0: is. So the 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 Jack experiment with Um, with Jack Sawyer is over. He is going to be a, you know, hand in the dirt, defensive end opposite JT Tuimoloau. Uh, Mitchell Melton is the name, is a name that people are banting about uh, as a potential uh, candidate to play the Jack. But I don't even know if they're going to play the Jack this year. To me, that just seemed to be a gimmick, Mm. that it might work in lesser leagues Right in the Big Twelve or whatever, but in, in yeah, the, when in the they're Big throwing 10,
1: literally eighty-five times a game, right? yeah,
0: I, yeah, I I just don't know if there's really a place for that for that position in the Big Ten, but we'll see. So, all right, before we dive into Ohio State's twenty twenty three opponents, there are a few interesting tidbits about the schedule here. I want to I want to share. First, oh. Ohio State plays six true road games this season, which is the most they will have played since 1895. That's crazy. They played four road games last year. Usually it's five, typically, Mm. but six for the first time since 1895. Now, three of those games include what will almost certainly be top 15 opponents at Notre Dame, at Wisconsin and Michigan. And then they play a fourth in West Lafayette against Purdue, where the Buckeyes have lost four of their last six. 2018, 2011, 2009, and 2004, they lost all four of those games. Two of those Ohio State teams, 18 and 2009, were big eventual Big Ten champs that lost at Purdue. Uh, For the first time since 2013, Ohio State will play an FCS opponent. In the non-conference, that's Youngstown State. That's the game you're going to sleep through and watch on YouTube the next day, PBH. (laughs) Also, the off week comes early this season, September 30th. That's after the Notre Dame game. It's the first time since 2016, Ohio State will have a bye week in the month of September. So it's pretty early to have that off week. And then finally, there's some unusual symmetry to the schedule this year. The Buckeyes- 12-game schedule is evenly distributed over the fall months, four in September, four in October, and four in November. And PVH, that's how I'd like to look at the 2023 schedule. We're going to break mm-hmm. it up into three four-game sections: September, October, November. I'm going to get, I'm going to get your thoughts on each month of the schedule and whether you think Ohio State can get them through them unscathed. And of course, you know, any other thoughts you may want to share. So Let's start with the month of September. I know you've got the schedule there in front of you. Yep. The Buckeyes open in Bloomington against Indiana on September 2nd. The Hoosiers return five starters, three on offense, two on defense from a team that went four and eight and finished sixth in the Big Ten East. Now, Athlons has IU ranked 81st. Lindy's ranks the Hoosiers 73rd, so not very good, kind of middle of the pack in the FBS Ohio State leads the all time series between these two schools 79 to 9 with four ties. And that includes a 56 to 14 bludgeoning of the Hoosiers in Columbus last November. I don't know, man. Uh, this this could very well be Tom Allen's last season uh, yeah. in IU. Uh, he had a very promising, what, 2020? Remember back the COVID season? Yeah. Indiana was really good. Uh, but last season, man, there wasn't anything the Hoosiers did particularly well. They weren't very good in 2021 either. Last season, 109th nationally in total offense. 118th nationally in total defense. Uh, The only thing that gives me a little bit of pause about this particular game is that it is the season opener. Buckeyes are fresh out of fall camp with a new starter at quarterback. But I don't know, man, this this to me seems like it's probably going to be a name your score affair for Ohio State. Um, Yeah. Any thoughts there on Indiana?
1: yeah, I I like the uh, big uh, Big Ten opponent as your first first game. I think it's a good it's a good approach. Um, Me too. And on the road, sure. And Indiana, yeah. I mean, if it was the Indiana of two years ago, there'd be definitely you know a level of concern here. Yeah, um, with Michael Penix Jr. Right, he's at Washington now, but man, he's yeah, hell of a
0: quarterback. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly.
1: So, you know, it's it's a later start, it's on the road, uh Big 10 opponent. I think it's kind of the the perfect dream scenario. I just love it as a fan. I think it's good for the team. Yep. Uh Indiana is not too good, right? Like if they were, you know, if this were, you know, maybe Wisconsin, like okay, that 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 would be a higher obviously level of a concern, but it's just sort of the way I'm looking at the schedule. I sort of like that. And then you get your two cupcakes and then, you know, then you're going to come down to Notre Dame. So I I think it's a ideal first opponent for the Buckeyes.
0: I like that. Okay. Well, speaking of those cupcakes, let's fast forward to September 9th. Youngstown State comes to Columbus. Now, I didn't think Ohio State was scheduling FCS opponents anymore, but the Penguins are back on the schedule for the first time since the late 2000s. The Buckeyes and Penguins played in back-to-back seasons in 2007 and 2008. Ohio State won both games, of course. 38 to 6 in 2007, 43 to nothing in 2008. The penguins returned 18 starters, 9 on offense, 9 on defense from a squad that finished 4th in the Missouri Valley Football Conference with a record of 7 and 4. Yeah, I don't know. Uh I don't think we need to spend too
1: much time on this game. High State wins big. Um yeah, I, I just – the the ticker went by in the bell pre-daily. It's going to be a vest out, so, you know, homage to <laughs> That's Trestle. Right. Other than that, I really don't have much to say about that game. Is, <laughs> is Trestle –
0: is he the – a D at Youngstown. He's the president of Youngstown State yeah. now. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So we now now we know why Youngstown State is on the on the schedule this yeah, year. Yeah, probably. Um uh, okay, let's let's fast forward to September 16th. Western Kentucky comes to Columbus. Now, this will be the very first ever matchup between these two schools. The Hilltoppers return eight starters, five on offense, three on defense from a squad that went nine and five and finished in a tie for second in Conference USA last season. Now, Athlons has the Hilltoppers ranked 72nd. Lindy's has them 60th. Now, this is interesting, PVH. The Hilltoppers love to chuck it around. They Hmm. finished the 2022 season number two nationally in passing offense, averaging 352 yards per game. They were number seventh nationally in total offense, averaging just under 500 yards a game, 497. The player to watch in this game, is Austin Reed, their quarterback. He led the nation in passing yards last year with 4,744. Uh, Reed finished 2022 with a 64.5 completion percentage, 40 touchdowns, 11 INTs, and he's got a pretty good target and junior receiver Malachi Corley to throw to. Corley finished 2002 fourth nationally in receiving yards with 1,293, and he caught 11 touchdowns. Another interesting tidbit about uh, Western Kentucky, they led the country last season in turnovers defensively, So, they, and they were fourth nationally enforcing turnovers in 2021. Now, they only returned three starters on that side of the ball. But at least philosophically, this is the defense that tries to turn you over. And they were pretty exceptional at that, you know, the last two seasons. I, you know, uh, at first blush, this looks like another blowout for Ohio State, but hey, I think we're going to find out something about this revamped Ohio State secondary against this Hilltopper passing game. Um And I kind of like that uh, this is an interesting kind of group of five opponent
1: to put on the schedule. You got any thoughts about Western yeah, Kentucky? I mean, I of course, I had no idea that their quarterback led the nation and their, their offense was that prolific. Yeah. It's also... You know, it, it's a four o'clock. This is the quintessential look-ahead game, right? Yeah. I would not be surprised if this game is 21-21, like, you know, mid-second quarter, and you're <laughs> like, oh, shit, are we buckling up for this? Um, <laughs> yeah. Then they, you know, probably pull away at the end, you know, and then it's like one of those scores where it's like 56 to, you know, whatever, 28, and it doesn't feel like it was that close. But it wouldn't surprise me if it were, yeah. at least for a stretch. Yep. and you know maybe they can you know make a game of it i think that's a good point where this opponent falls on the
0: schedule is is something to pay attention to given that it's before notre dame and given that you know they do something extremely well that was a weakness for us last year and you know i'm anx- i'm gonna anxious to find out right away how good that that new secondary is going to be so that should be a pretty good test from that standpoint okay it should be a fun game absolutely Um, The following week, September 23rd, the Buckeyes travel to South Bend. This will be Ohio State's first visit to South Bend since 1996. Now, this was a pretty damn good football game in Columbus last season, PBH. I was there. It was the 2022 season opener for the Buckeyes, and the Irish gave them a a pretty good fight. Uh, They led at the half 10-7. The Buckeyes only had a four-point lead, 14-10, going into the fourth quarter before pulling away and winning 21-10. The Irish returned 15 starters, seven on offense, eight on defense from a team that finished nine and four and 18th in the final AP and coaches polls last season. Now, Athlons has the Irish at number 14 in their preseason rankings. Lindy's has them at number 12. So looking very much like this could be a top 15, potentially a top 10 matchup on September 23rd. Now, Tyler Buckner, who started a quarterback against Ohio State in last year's game, has transferred to Alabama, by the way. What does that say about the state of quarterback at Alabama? Tyler Buckner is going to be the starter there. That's I digress. We can get into that another time. But sixth year senior Sam Hartman, the Wake Forest transfer, will be running the Notre Dame offense this season. Now, Hartman completed 63% of his passes and threw for 3,700 yards, 38 touchdowns, and 12 INTs for the Demon Deacons last season. Now, I think Hartman is a bit of an upgrade over Buckner at quarterback for Marcus Freeman, so that's something to watch going into this game. Also, the Irish have a good running back in Audrick Estime. They didn't really feature Estime. Notre Dame did when they played Ohio State. He only had a handful of carries, but he really broke out for the Irish toward the end of last year. He averaged just about six yards a carry, ran for eleven touchdowns, and he's going to be running behind a good offensive line led by tackles Joe Alt and Blake Fisher. Hey man, I would love Alt or Fisher on our offensive line. Those those guys are studs. Mm-hmm. Um, Now, the Irish return eight starters from a defense that finished 21st nationally in total defense last season. So I think they're going to be pretty good defensively again this year. This is a good football team here, PBH, with an upgraded quarterback, a good offensive line, what looks like a top 20-ish defense, and they're going to be playing at home. What do you think about this matchup?
1: And Don't they have a great
0: tight end? Well, Mayer Mayer is off to the NFL. So Michael Mayer, yeah, he he was drafted.
1: No, and do your part, Notre Dame. Like knock on wood, Ohio, same for you, High State. But be undefeated going into this game, yeah. right? You know, so no stinkers buzz, before that. Yep. <laughs> you know, no, you know, because Freeman, man, he what he who lose them like Marshall last year? Like he did Marshall yeah, but, and Stanford at home last year. Both those teams yeah. stink. Okay, so <laughs> have your team undefeated there, Marcus. Do your part as a Buckeye, um, and yeah. it'll be a you know, I'm sure probably a. a a tight game for a while um i just you know on paper we just have more talent than they do um you know like who on their offense really scares you um and yeah they'll probably be able to shut us down somewhat with their defense and you know maybe they can slow the game down and turn it into a slugfest and you know, win a close one. They definitely don't want to get in a track meet with us. Nope. Um, totally expect the Buckeyes to win, but I actually think it'll be a, a great game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. A trip to South Bend with a new starting quarterback, some questions along the offensive line. I think Ohio State finds a way to get out of South Bend unscathed, but I would not be surprised if this game is a carbon copy of last year's game. Low scoring, very competitive in the fourth quarter. The Buckeyes grind it out with their defense and running game.
1: Which is exactly what Notre Dame is going to want to do.
0: Yeah. Oh, totally. All right, PBH. So let's pull back the lens here a second. We've just gone through the month of September. Any overarching thoughts about the first four games of this schedule?
1: I think it's a, you know, it's, I like the Indiana game. Like I said, I think it's a good four game stretch. Um, I don't. I mean, if I State's not 4-0 coming out of it, obviously we'll be disappointed. But yeah. I would say shocked or surprised. Well, maybe not shocked. Um, you know, if they lost in Notre Dame in a tight game, you know, um, I guess maybe I could see it, but I fully expect them to get out of September unscathed.
0: So do I, so do I. 4-0, unscathed, maybe some harrowing moments uh, in South Bend uh, on the 23rd of September, but I think they find a way to get it done. All right, let's spin this forward to October. October 7th, the All Maryland- I right, actually
1: have a question for you. Yeah, sure, go ahead. Give me your over-under of coming out of Notre Dame that Ohio State has a quarterback controversy on their hands. Yeah. So what percentage chance, you think? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, man. You know, I think they're going to get it sorted out in the preseason. I think whoever's the starter is going to play well through those first four games and we'll we'll have a stranglehold on the job. Do you think we're looking at a a competition into the regular season?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say I would give it a one in three chance. Wow. That you know, I I mean, maybe somebody just is, I don't know, if struggling is the right word, but to your point, no, you know, taking a stranglehold over it. And maybe they kind of, you know, they have some tough moments through these games. And it wouldn't surprise me if hmm. Coming out of Notre Dame, we're not 100% sure who our best quarterback
0: is. Wow, interesting. Man, that would not be ideal. I mean, I I could see a scenario, though, very easily because of the offensive line, where maybe McCord starts the season as the starter, but uh, the offensive line is having trouble holding up in pass protection. Mm -hmm. And you need a more athletic quarterback in Brown, uh, and maybe they have to turn to him. I certainly hope that's not the case. I mean, that's the last thing you want to do is – switch quarterbacks kind of midstream but my money says they figures it out uh, in fall camp and and i expect whoever is named the starter will play well uh, through the first four games okay all right man october 7th the maryland terrapins come to columbus now the terps return nine starters four on offense five on defense from a squad that went eight and five finished fourth in the Big Ten East. Athlons has the Terps at number 41 in their preseason rankings. Lindy's has them all the way up in 29. Ohio State has won all eight of the previous matchups between these two schools, which includes a very competitive 43-30 to 30 win over the Terps in College Park last season. It was That was a three-point game with about nine minutes to play PBH. I mean, Steel Chambers scored it on a fumble return with 30 seconds to play to seal that <laughs> game and make it look more comfortable than it actually was. But man, Ohio State could have lost that game. And uh, Maryland's going to get uh, Talia Tungavailoa, their quarterback, back for his final season with the Terps. We remember he was very good with the uh, against the Buckeyes last season. Uh, Maryland is also going to get its leading rusher, Roman Hemby, back and leading receiver, Ja'Shawn Jones. But head coach Mike Loxley needs to replace four of five starters on the offensive line. This game is being played in the horseshoe where Maryland has really struggled in, in their four previous matchups in the shoe Ohio State Averaged 62 and a half points against the Turps and beat them by an average margin of 44 yikes.
1: So um PBH how do you see this game. Give me a couple thoughts. You, you just never know with Maryland, though, right? Like the, yeah. you have no idea what you're gonna get because they they definitely always have some skill guys on offense. Yep. Um and you know is that team going to be, you know, eight and four or four and eight? Like who the F knows, right? <laughs> right. You have no, it's they're, they're like the anomaly of the Big Ten where you're like, they're good. And you're like, no, they're they're really bad. And like, are they good <laughs> or are they bad? So who the hell knows?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, not a ton of talent coming back, only, only nine total starters coming back. Um, And it has been a different story when these teams play in the horseshoe. I mean, the two previous scares we got from Maryland were in College Park. Uh, I tend to think Ohio State uh, will handle business as they normally do in this game. All right, let's spin it forward to October 14th. Ohio State travels to West Lafayette, ross Aid Stadium to play the Purdue Boilermakers and PBH. ross Aid has been a haunted house for the Buckeyes Mm -hmm. the last two decades, as we know. Since that Craig Krenzel to Michael Jenkins, Holy Buckeye game-winning touchdown pass in 2002, the Buckeyes are a dreadful 2-4 and four in Ross-Ade Stadium. That includes an embarrassing 49-20 loss to the Boilermakers in 2018, the last time Ohio State played there. And the, Purdue, they're the defending Big Ten West champs. Let's not forget that. They returned 10 starters, 6 on offense, 4 on defense from a team that finished 8-6 and actually gave Michigan a pretty good fight in the Big 10 title game at least for about 3 quarters they did. Athlon's has Purdue number 57 in their preseason rankings. Lindy's has them number 54. Now Purdue has a fresh face at head coach Ryan Walters, the former Illinois defensive coordinator. That Illinois defense man last year was nasty. Walters did a really good job with that defense. Now he takes over for Jeff Brom. As Purdue's head coach, Uh, Brahm is off to his alma mater, Louisville, to be the head coach there. The Boilermakers also have a new face at quarterback in Hudson Card, the Texas transfer. Card was a top 100 player. He was number 59 overall out of Lake Travis in the Longhorns 2020 class. I believe that's the same high school, by the way, that produced Baker Mayfield. Now, Purdue returns four or five starters on the offensive line. Their leading rusher in Devin Mockaby. And a pretty good pass catcher in TJ Sheffield. Yeah, they got something to work with here. And, you know, at least, uh, you know, the the recruiting services will tell us that they've got a good quarterback card, 59 overall in the 2020 class. PVH, how do you see this game?
1: Is he just going to have the whatever year when Urban lost to him? We got our asses kicked like on running loop the entire week just to (laughs) remind them what they're walking into. It could Uh, be. If he doesn't, he should. I'm also wondering, like, does Purdue have like the best record against a high state in that period? Like, I can't think. I was trying to think, like, who else has uh, won four times against a high state in the Big Ten in the last the last twenty years?
0: Yeah, who has a winning record in the Big Ten against the high? I'm almost certain it would be Purdue. It couldn't yeah. be anyone else. We know that Michigan doesn't, and then beyond Michigan, there's nobody else that. Right, it's yeah, kind of
1: it's oh, Purdue. It's crazy. Like that's a good <laughs> trivia you would never yeah. think it's Purdue. Um, yeah, uh, I guess I'm not. I'm going to do reverse psychology. I'm not worried about it because. Uh, they should be well aware of what they're walking into um, on paper. I just, you know, it's again, these teams should be overmatched, right? Just play your game. You'll win the game. If you fuck around like you did before, then yeah, they'll absolutely kick your butt, but hopefully that won't be the case, but there's reason for concern. No doubt.
0: Yeah. I I'm with you. I mean, uh, uh, I, I am worried about a loss during this stretch here in October, but this isn't the game. Not for me. Just in spite of the history there. And, you know, Ryan day, he doesn't lose these games. Right, mm. I mean, he's struggled against Michigan, as we know, and uh, but he's been very good in these types of matchups. His teams don't tend to trip up in games like this. Okay, let's spin it forward to October the twenty-first. The Buckeyes come back home to face Penn State in Columbus. Now, this has all the makings of a top ten clash. Penn State returns thirteen starters, six on offense, seven on defense, from a team that went eleven and two, won the Rose Bowl, and finished number seven in the final AP and coaches polls. Ohio State leads the all-time series between these two schools, 24 to 13. That includes a 44 to 31 Buckeye win in Happy Valley, a game that was much closer than that final score would suggest, as you remember, PBH. I mean, Uh if it weren't for JT Tui Molo, I don't think Ohio State wins that game. Now, most of the experts think head coach James Franklin has a major upgraded quarterback in sophomore Drew Aller, the five-star prospect out of Medina, Ohio. Aller replaces four-year starter Sean Clifford. It seems like Clifford was there a hell of a lot longer than four years, right? And by the way, I'm going to be sad to see Clifford go, man, because you could always count on like two or three catastrophic mistakes out of that guy every exactly. time we play him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, Franklin also has four or five starters returning on his offensive line and two explosive young running backs in Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen. Um, I'm not sure what Penn State has at receiver, though. Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley, their two leading receivers from a, a year ago, are gone. I'm glad to see Parker Washington go, man, that guy fucking killed us the last two he years. He killed us, last,
1: I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I didn't remember his name, but all I just remember him was just streaking wide open. and Good player. And juking, juking our our backs and you know <laughs> running into the end zone. How many times did that happen? Totally. Oh yeah. We <laughs> could not cover that
0: guy last year. Now, Penn State returned seven starters from a defense that finished 18th nationally in total defense. 10th in scoring defense, and 16th against a run. That unit should be pretty good again this season. These games are always street fights, PBH, as you know. But Ohio State usually finds a way to win these games against Penn State. Now, Penn State's last win in this series was 2016, and their last win in the horseshoe was all the way back in 2011. That was the Luke Fickle season, you know, after Tattoo Gate.
1: How do you see this game, PBH? Just like you said, I mean, it'll be... A game into the fourth quarter, probably fairly even matched. High State just kind of finds a way to to win these games against these guys. Usually, not always, but uh, I would completely expect that to be the case again, where it's you know very tied at halftime, very close. Uh, They're doing you know what they want to do. We're doing what we want to do. But by it's anybody's ball game going into the fourth quarter. I mean, you know what's
0: interesting about this matchup? If Kyle McCord does win the starting job. You've got a five-star from Pennsylvania starting for Ohio State and a five-star from Ohio starting for Penn State. The key to this, I think, for Penn State is Drew Aller. I mean, is he, you know, finally that five-star prospect with the arm talent, enough arm talent to beat Ohio State? Uh, This is going to be his first visit to Columbus as a starter. A tough
1: spot for a a first-year starter in in Aller, but um, we'll see. Yeah, and I'm sure it'll be under the lights, right? I mean, I'm seeing TBA, but um, oh, I, I think that'll—I mean, that has to be a night game, right? One would think. I
0: guess it depends on who has the broadcast rights. If it's Fox, it's going to be one of those dreaded, one of those oh dreaded noon kicks. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, the night games in—in in the shoe for me.
1: Yeah, I, think, I, yeah. I just
0: want to see Ohio State play better. And I know I, I've i said this the last two years ad nauseum. I just want to see Ohio State play better at home in these big night games, if, if it does indeed turn out to be a night game. All right. Uh, let's spin it forward to, to the, the game that really concerns me here. <clears throat> the one game before, prior to Michigan, that is, that really concerns me. That's on October 28th. Ohio State travels to Madison to face the Wisconsin Badgers. Luke Fickle is the new man in charge there. Uh, in Madison. He's got a new offensive coordinator, Phil Longo. Now, Longo was the architect of the offense at North Carolina that made Drake May a star quarterback there. And he's expected to install an up tempo air raid attack in Madison this season. That's right. You heard that right. Wisconsin <laughs> is going to feature an up tempo air raid style attack. Transfer Tanner Mordecai, who threw for over 7,000 yards and 72 touchdowns at SMU the last two seasons, he's going to be running the offense for Luke Fickle. Now, they still have stud tailback Braylon Allen, who ran for more than 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns last year. He's still there, and so is Wisconsin's leading receiver Chimre DK. So they got, they've got some talent there offensively, Wisconsin does. Um, it'll be interesting, though. This is not your father's Wisconsin Badgers, right? I mean, long gone are the days of Barry Alvarez if we're going to see him chucking it around 50 times. Now, mm. overall, the Badgers returned 11 starters, 6 on offense, 5 on defense from a team that went 7-6 and six last season and finished 5th in the Big Ten West. I think that's a total outlier for that program, 7-6. and six. Don't let that record fool you. Um, They're going to be much better than that, I think, in 2023. Now, Athlons has Wisconsin at number 17 in their preseason rankings. Lindy's has them at number 19. I would not be surprised if Wisconsin is somewhere in the top 15, though, by the time the Buckeyes play them. Now, as we all know, Fickle's calling card, great defense. And I think the raw materials are there for defensive coordinator Mike Tressel. Recognize that name? Uh, I do. (laughs) He followed Fickle (laughs) from Cincy to Wisconsin. He's going to be the D.C. there. Um. I think they're going to be very good on defense, Wisconsin, is, though they are installing a new defensive scheme there. I think it's a, a 3-3-5. Wisconsin returns five starters from a defense that finished 11th nationally in total defense and 13th in defensive yards per play. Ohio State leads this all uh, the all-time series between these two schools, 62-18 to 18, with five ties. And that includes a very rare 52-21 Ohio State blowout in the shoe last season. Wisconsin's last win in this series was back in 2010. The Badgers upset the number one ranked Buckeyes 31-18 in Madison. That was Ohio State's only loss that season. PVH, how do you see this matchup?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm concerned. I I, I just kind of wonder, though, year one, right? Like, yeah. How many, you know, th- is the cupboard really that stocked at, at Wisconsin? I think Fickle will do great there. I think he's a great hire, but... I don't know if he can pull it out in year 1 and you know knock off in a high state uh especially losing that many guys on defense. I mean they they fired Chris, right? I mean he didn't retire. They Mid, got rid of him. Yeah, mid-season. Um, mid-season. Yeah. So I just kind of wonder, you know, is he going to have the horses to pull it off. Um and so yeah. I'm, I'm not quite as concerned maybe as you are, but for that reason, that reason alone, but be a good game. Well, you do make an interesting point. And, you know,
0: they are installing a new defense no, and a new too. offense, right? So, I mean, that, that's that's a lot. You're installing a new defense, a, a new offense, new head coach. Um, you've got a brand new quarterback. So I, I can see that. I'm still legitimately concerned about this. Um, and I think maybe because of where this game falls on the schedule is a big part of it. you got two legitimate tests in back-to-back weeks against Penn State and Wisconsin that Ohio state could realistically lose if they don't play well. Now, I think they find a way to, to beat Penn state as we've already mentioned, but then you got to turn right around after a slobber knocker against Penn state, right? You play at Wisconsin Halloween weekend, that stadium is going to be nuts. Now that this is, that's a question I have. Will this be a night game?
1: Oh, for sure. Right. Uh, Halloween. And by the way, like there's been some chatter, like this would be a really fun game to be at. I don't know if you've been to Wisconsin. I've but never been to Madison. I'd love to it's, go. It's a, it's a, great, great town on Halloween. Like this would be just a a ton of fun. And you're right. Yeah. Coming off Penn State, um, that's always a big deal. That could be a little bit of an equalizer. You know,
0: you're a little beat up after the Penn State game. You know, clearly Ohio State's going to have an advantage, you know, talent wise. Um, And, you know, then you've got to, you know, as we look at kind of, we pull back the lens and look at the month of October and I want to get your take on this. Look, let me give you mine first and then I want to get your kind of more wider lens view of the, of, of the month of October. You know, you got two legitimate tests, Penn State, Wisconsin back-to-back. Ohio State, it's not out of the realm of possibility They could be a little diminished going into that Wisconsin game. And then you got a third game against Purdue in a stadium that's been a haunted house for the last two decades for Ohio State. It feels like Ohio State could stumble somewhere in here. And, and I think maybe the most likely Stumbling block there would be Wisconsin. I'm not saying it's a certainty, but you know, if Ohio State loses a game before the trip to Ann Arbor, I think it's very likely during this stretch uh, here in October. PBH, how do you see this part of the schedule for Ohio State in October?
1: I I agree with you. I, I mean, if there's a game they're gonna, it's just they, Penn State, they find a way at home. That is that that's that's a tough that's a tough you know to bounce back from that for sure well I'm guessing it'll be at night uh you know fickle's first year right like there's all those variables right uh but maybe if it's that obvious then it doesn't happen i don't know but <laughs> you, you, it, it's uh that's that's a that's a that's a harder a gauntlet you know in october that i can ever remember them having you know uh, i agree you know, sometimes they had like have it in in november right where they're you know michigan state and then michigan or something but i can't remember anything in october where you're looking at two games where they they could you know they could lo- very easily lose both those games if you know a few breaks here and there so yeah definite reason for concern um and coming off the penn state game at night in wisconsin all those variables it's gonna be it'll be a, it'll be a tough tough matchup for them for sure so what's your gut tell
0: you is ohio state eight no after october no, I'm going to say they're seven and one. Me too. I think they're seven and one. I, I don't know exactly where it's going to happen. My gut says it's Wisconsin, but yeah. uh, it feels like they could stumble somewhere in October yeah. as they're figuring things out. Um, and you know what? If it is a Wisconsin, or if it or if it's late September against Notre Dame, you know the the one benefit of a loss like that is it doesn't you know it's not going to eliminate you from the 14 playoff. And it also gives you an opportunity to course correct on some things, mm-hmm. right? If if things aren't going the way they should on offense or defense. I kind of feel like looking back to last year, they might have been better off losing that game to Maryland the week before Michigan, right? Because it feels like, you know, there was some thing – we started to see some things surface with, with Jim Knowles' defense. And I wonder if maybe they would have been better off losing that game they still go to the big 10 title game with a win over michigan and but maybe it gives them the opportunity to correct the things that you know surfaced in spades against
1: michigan anyway um yeah. all well, right and when 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 you lose is almost as important as how you lose the absolutely completely really blown out uh so to your point if they did you know stumble if it, you know maybe it's notre dame Right, right. So somewhere in there, I don't know. It kind of feels like there might be one loss. It just can't Definitely be Penn State. time to recover. Right, right.
0: It can't be Penn State. Right. That, now that's the game they can they cannot afford to lose. Right, because you you can't be they're in the Big Ten East with you, and you know then you're counting on Penn State to having to lose twice.
1: Right. Well, you yeah. don't control your own destiny like they yeah. had last year, where you're hoping for USC to blow out. Oh or, God, uh, whoever <laughs> they um or them to lose. Uh Yeah, Um but. Yeah, to your point, because it's in the Big Ten East, yeah, you're probably, you're not controlling your destiny to get in the Big Ten championship game. But on the other hand, if you lose to a top five opponent, right, that that's yep. another thing as well. That's but true.
0: Yeah. Who knows? Good point. All right. Okay. So we both see Ohio State seven and one coming in October, still very, still very good, still on course, uh, headed toward Michigan with an opportunity to, to to get into the Big Ten title game if they win that game. So let's have a look at Ohio State's first opponent in the month of November. November 4th, they travel to Piscataway to play Rutgers. Rutgers returns 13 starters, 5 on offense, 8 on defense from a team that finished 4-8, and and dead last in the Big Ten East. The Scarlet Knights had one of the worst offenses in the FBS last season, finishing 128 out of 131 teams in total offense. Now, Athlons has Rutgers number 79 in their preseason rankings. Lindy's has them at 69. I don't know about you, but those rankings seem pretty charitable to me, I don't, but what do I know? Um, Ohio State leads the all-time series, 9-zip. That includes a 49-10 to 10 win over the Scarlet Knights in Columbus last season. In this series, the Buckeyes averaged 53 points per game and beat Rutgers by an average of margin of 42. I feel like that's all we need to say about this game. I don't know, PBH, you got anything you want to say about this one?
1: Not really. Shiano's coach, right? Though? Yep, he's still there. All right, yeah, so yeah is what it is i mean it's funny though right you're right like holy shit, that game's on the road, right? So you're, I mean, you're just not used to them playing this many road games, yeah, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, the sheer volume of road games, uh, I don't know, does that catch up to them at some point, right? Uh, uh, yeah, who knows? I, not in this game, though. <laughs>
1: no. I think, no.
0: They, I think they handled their business just fine against Rutgers on the 4th. Let's spin this forward to November 11th. Ohio State comes back home to play Sparty, Michigan State. Now, this one is going to be a weird late season night game on NBC. Now, Mel Tucker's team returns nine starters, five on offense, four on defense from a pretty lousy team that finished fifth in the Big Ten East at five and seven last season. Athlons has Sparty ranked number 52 in their preseason rankings. Lindy's has them number 44. The Spartans, they didn't do anything particularly well last season. They finished 96th in total offense, 100th in total defense. And this has not been a great offseason in East Lansing for Mel Tucker. As both starting quarterback Peyton Thorne and Michigan State's best receiver Keon Coleman both transferred out, <laughs> uh, so I, it's hard to imagine things getting better for the Spartans in 2023. I this could this game could get out of hand very quickly. I would think, and after an 11 and two debut season in 2021, it feels like it feels like things are kind of going off the rails for yeah. Mel Tucker and yeah. East Lansing. I don't yeah. know what you uh, how you view it, PBH, but to, to me, it looks like they are.
1: High State leads the all time series. Like it's a dumpster fire. It at does. This point. Yeah, I agree. And they're they're, they're they're gonna they're they're gonna be saddled with that contract. I mean, what are they paying that guy like? Ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's so absurd. After a single season, it's go down like the Charlie Weiss situation at Notre Dame—one <laughs> good year, and then you're like give him another twelve years. Give him a lifetime Actually, that's a perfect—that's a good analogy.
0: It, it is a little bit like the Charlie Weiss deal that Notre Dame gave him on all those years ago. Ohio State leads the all-time series thirty-six to fourteen. That includes a forty-nine to twenty drubbing of the Spartans in East Lansing last year. And a 56-7 to bludgeoning the last time Sparty came to Columbus in 2021. That was actually a good Michigan State team. They were 11-2. and Ohio State no. beat them by 49 points. Now, I feel like we're going to see something similar to those results in this game on November 11th. PVH, do you see it differently? No, I see no. it
1: just like you.
0: Okay, got it. All right. Then let's move on to the following week, November 18th. The Minnesota Golden Gophers come to Columbus. Now there's almost always one November white knuckler on the Ohio State schedule that we don't see coming. Last year it was Maryland. In 2021 it was Nebraska. I wonder if Minnesota could be that game this year. The Gophers return eight starters, four on offense. <clears throat> pardon me, four on defense from a team that finished. Let's see, where did they finish? Nine and four and a second-place tie in the Big Ten West. Athlans has Minnesota number 34 in their preseason rankings. Lindy's has them number 40. Now, P.J. Flack has to replace a four-year starter in quarterback Tanner Morgan. That's another guy who felt like he's been there for 10 years. Forever. As well as the school's all-time leading rusher, Mo Ibrahim along with seven starters on a defense that finished ninth nationally in total defense last year. But I don't know, man. PJ Fleck, he seems to have a pretty good thing going at Minnesota, right? It seems like he's got a system there. Um, You you take out that weird COVID season in 2020 when Minnesota was only three and four. The Gophers went nine and four each of the last two seasons. They were 11 and two in 2019. They've won all four bowl games they played under Fleck. Fleck is entering his seventh season as the head coach there. The Buckeyes lead the all time series 47 to 7. Ohio State and Minnesota have only played twice since Fleck took the helm. The 2021 season opener, uh, we remember that game. The Buckeyes came back from a 14 to 10 halftime deficit to beat the Gophers 45 31 in Minneapolis. That was a seven point game at the uh, with about five minutes to play, though, PBH. Yep. And in 2018, uh, the Buckeyes beat the Gophers 30 to 14 in the shoe, but that was a three point game at the half and a six point game going into the fourth quarter. I'm looking at where this game falls on the schedule. The week before Michigan, I wouldn't be surprised if the Buckeyes have to grind this one out, and it might get a little uncomfortable for Ohio
1: State fans. I don't know, PBH, How do you see this one? Yeah, I, 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 I agree. They're they're pesky, right? Like I yeah. was thinking, what's the adjective for PJ? Like they're, you know, they're they're a pesky team, right? And if you sleep on them, they will punch you in the mouth and beat you. Yeah. So, uh, looking ahead, Michigan, um, it's at home. You know they. Probably win it comfortably or it might be uncomfortable for a bit. Take care of some business. But uh, yeah, don't sleep on them.
0: Yeah, yeah. To me, this looks a little bit like the game that Michigan had to play against Illinois before they played us last year. And we remember that game, right? Michigan was on the ropes. I don't think it'll be quite that dramatic for Ohio State. And usually these games that turn into, you know, surprise white knucklers are games that Ohio State plays on the road. Uh, This one's in the shoe. But I'm going to keep my eye on this game. I, I think Ohio State is going to have to bring their lunch to win this game.
1: Well, it, you know, it's it's funny because I remember we were watching that game, uh, or Michigan-Illinois. Yeah. And the whole time we're like, oh my God, we are going to freaking kill Michigan by, you know, 72 points. Where What are they doing? They're doing the exact same thing. They're looking ahead, right? Yeah. You know? And so, you know, we always look at it through our own prism, right? And our own team, you know, it's like a lot of times you got to, oh, what's Michigan doing, you know, obviously the same thing. And then it was a completely different team. We, I'm like how that team. You know, could look so bad against Illinois, and then turn around and beat a high state the next week is just astonishing. But it's it goes back to those same old truisms, right? Yeah. You know, and they cut both ways. So yep, um, it wouldn't be surprising to see a high state struggle with Minnesota for that same exact reason.
0: You know, I'm glad you bring up that Illinois Michigan game as we as we start to look forward to the Michigan game the following week, because I really felt that Michigan Illinois result was a Trojan horse that um, I think caught everybody off guard, even Jim Knowles. With the final of that game was 19 to 17. I watched that whole game. Blake Quorum goes down. They end up losing him for the rest of the season. Um, I think Donovan Edwards, he also did not play in that game. But J.J. McCarthy, had, he had started to have some trouble with his accuracy several weeks before that game with Illinois. He really struggled in that game. And, uh, you know, as we know, Michigan had to kick a last second field goal to win it. I think we also didn't realize just how good that Illinois defense was. That that, that yeah. stud corner Devon Weatherspoon was just nasty, man. Nasty. Weatherspoon was like, um, it's like a combination of Denzel Ward and Antoine Winfield. Just yeah. cover, he, physical, lumber, come man. up and hit you. Um, but I just don't think there was enough national discourse about how that game turned into a Trojan horse for Michigan. And they caught Ohio State off guard. They caught Ohio State sleeping. I mean, Michigan comes in that game down its best pe- player, Blake Quorum. I know Pl- Quorum tried to play, but you know he's clearly limited. And I don't think we were ready defensively. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think we respected Michigan's ability at the skill positions. And we don't have to relitigate all that, but I, I bring it up only because you mentioned that Illinois game, we're talking about these games, you know, prior yep. to the big game between Ohio State and Michigan. That was, I would be surprised if there's something like that at play in this year's michigan ohio state game right i mean Michigan benefited. Be. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no there better not be and uh, i think ohio state's going to be ready now um michigan was was able to oddly somehow benefit from that struggle they had against illinois and then i think they caught ohio state off guard yeah. for
1: sure it's a good point yeah no it definitely yeah. it's a good point makes a lot of sense for yeah sure. All right, well,
0: let's have a look at that game. November 25th, Ohio State travels to Ann Arbor to take on the Michigan Wolverines. All signs point to a top five winner-take-all matchup in this game for the third year in a row. And that's how Athlons and Lindy see it. Both publications have Michigan at number two in their preseason rankings. Now, here's something to think about, though, PBH. This will very likely be the last winner-take-all matchup during the regular season between yep. these two schools, right? Because The world
1: changes after this one. It
0: does. In 2024, divisions of the Big Ten are going away. The college football playoff field will expand to 12 teams. So starting next year, the loser of this game during the regular season may very well get another shot the following week in the Big Ten title game. And with the playoff field expanding to 12, these teams will almost never stand in the way of each other's uh, path to the playoff, right? And in most seasons, they're both going to get in. Yes. Um, now, Michigan- For sure. Returns 15 starters, eight on offense, seven on defense from a team that went 13 and one, won the Big Ten and made the college football playoff in 2022. How the hell they lost to TCU though? I mean, how the hell they lose that game? (laughs) Uh, That's just, uh, come on.
1: Anyway, uh, JJ McCarthy. Sorry, go ahead, PBH. Well, it's a sort of a sidebar question. Does he get any grief for that, or is this the euphoria of you know beating a high state sort of gloss over that just stinker that they had in the playoff game?
0: That's a good question. I mean, if we had a Michigan fan here, I'd ask him. I mean, I I, I think he's just got a history. Michigan, in general, has a history of just laying eggs in bowl games and and in the postseason. But yeah, I tend to think you know
1: just a pass, right? It feels like it's a pass, a pass. you know, yeah. it's like it's like he's finally figured it out and he's finally – it's like uh, he still really hasn't done anything yet, right? Or he hasn't right. won anything. I mean, okay, he got a Big Ten title. But, um, you know, I guess just getting the Ohio State monkey off your back is big enough. That is a thing. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But then to turn around and lay that egg, like if we're high State fans, like we're going shit, right? Like, oh, yeah. Like calling for the coach to get fired. They're probably about – you know, three quarters of the way, you know, finishing the statue for old Jimbo now as the coach out in front of the stadium. <laughs>
0: well, I'm not sure it'll be the case this season though, if it happens again. Uh, and, and I'll be very interested to see how Michigan and Harbaugh and McCarthy, you know, handle the weight of expectations this season, because they're going to be considered by many, if not all, uh, of the experts, the favorite to win the big 10 this year. Uh, I read earlier this week that Jim Harbaugh has added a beat Georgia period to their practices. Did you see this? No, <laughs> so they have a beat Ohio State period, and now they have a beat Georgia period. So Michigan now sees themselves as Ohio State's equal, and I mean, why shouldn't they after the last two seasons? And That's, now they have the same goal as the Buckeyes, right? I mean, it seems that now they're being very outward about, you know, wanting to to win
1: in the playoffs. So just that, back that to that is that is such a fucking moronic Jim Harbaugh <laughs> tactic, like right. Th- You're not scheduled to play them, right? You might not play them, (laughs) right? Like, why isn't it Alabama or, you know, like, I, I, like on paper, you understand it. But when you kind of like peel back, you're like, that's just stupid, right? (laughs) You're not on your schedule, dummy. So, why do you have to have a beat Georgia, right? Because Georgia won two national championships in the last two years. Yeah, like, I guess it just so. Makes yeah. No but, sense. It's just some weird Jim Harbaugh quirky thing. that just makes him a bigger freak than he already is. <laughs> well, the other thing I thought was it's a little
0: bit of a shot at, at Ohio state too. I think. Sure. I think it's sure. it's goading. I think it's goading Ryan Day and the Buckeyes a little bit. Like, yeah, you know. Well,
1: I I think if he would have had to beat Georgia and not a beat Ohio State, that would have been a better dig. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't even need that to beat you guys, right? right? Now, whether or not he does it in practice or something, that to me would be something that would probably infuriate most Buckeye fans. But the fact that he has both is just, it's nonsensical. <laughs> you don't play Georgia. They're not even in your conference, dude. Like, the stars have to align perfectly right for you to end up playing them Mm -hmm. right in in the playoffs right so many different things can happen um and yet you're going to dedicate time to something that's Chances are not going to happen. Okay, <laughs> I love it. I
0: mean, I think uh, I love it. I, you know, I I think Michigan seems to be leaning into the expectations. That's great. We'll see in practice how that goes. I mean, Ohio State, you know, we we know what it's like to play with a bullseye on our back. Now the bullseye is going to be on Michigan's back. Uh, they're the ones that, that are going to have to carry the weight of preseason expectations. I'll be very interested to see how they handle that. And I'll also be very interested to see how Ohio State handles the role of the underdog. Uh, in mm. this game as well. Now, Michigan returns 15 starters from last season, eight on offense, seven on defense, um, as I had mentioned. And that includes, of course, J.J. McCarthy, their star quarterback, and a dynamic duo at running back, Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards, as well as seven starters from a defense that finished sixth nationally in total defense and seventh in defensive yards per play. This team's loaded, Yeah, PBH. They are. Um, they and are. Should be one hell of a game. So... uh all right. Let's pull back the lens here and, and have kind of a a broader look at the month of November. Of course, it's going to be largely a conversation about Michigan, but PVH, how do you see these last four games of the schedule for Ohio State?
1: Yeah. I mean, October's so hard. I don't see it in November at all. It just sets and directs pointly at Ann Arbor from, from the get-go, Yep. right? I mean, I just don't see any real threat from any of those first three games, right? So it, it will just be You know, take care of business. And we've got, you know, the Michigan game on Thanksgiving and that's going to be the focus. Yep, I think so. Um,
0: You know, I think injuries had a huge hand in it last year, but looking back on it now, I think you could make the argument that Ohio State might have peaked too early last season, and they were not playing their best football in November heading into the Michigan game. We remember there was the 21-7 clunker at Northwestern, you know, that was played in a tropical depression, as you like to say. Um, but Ohio State also was not at their best, I, I think it's fair to say, that day. And then there was the lackluster performance against Maryland a couple weeks later. Uh, that was a game Ohio State, as we just talked about, could have easily lost. Might have been better that had they lost it. But we started to see some cracks in the veneer of Jim Knowles' defense, both against the Terps and even a few weeks earlier against Penn State. That would yeah. foreshadow the terrible things to come against Michigan. Um, November is all about Michigan, of course. But I think this part of the schedule is set up a little better than some of the others. Ohio State has had to play in recent in the recent past. Remember back in 2019, you know the Buckeyes got a top 10 Penn State team the week before they had to travel to Ann Arbor. Um, and, and then, you know, this season, Ohio state, I think has three very winnable November games heading into Michigan. And if the Buckeyes are playing their best football in November, then I think we can say they did a much better job of managing injuries and keeping key players fresh than they did a year ago. That's something we haven't really touched on yet. PBH is injuries and what a huge impact they had on the outcome last season. And I think this year, every, everyone, uh, from the strength and conditioning people, the medical staff, even to Ryan Day has a role to play in mitigating those injuries. I mean, how many times last year were we asking ourselves in Ohio State blowouts, why is the first team still playing? Right. right. I, I, for example, I remember there was a, a play in the Wisconsin game. Emeka Buka got absolutely lit up. After a catch in the second half of the Wisconsin game with the Buckeyes up like four touchdowns. I mean, why is he even in there at that stage? So I want to see Ryan Day be smarter about how he plays his first team. Maybe it's time to get some of these younger guys, more reps, Um, you know, start to be more mindful of keeping your team fresh for November. Uh, I think that's going to be a big key.
1: Well, huge key, and don't play a guy that's injured all year long. Yeah. I.e., Trey, Trey, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just like, man, I know you know you're you're trying to manage these decisions, you know, as best you can with the information that you have at the time. And we were woefully thin at that position. But for Christ's sake, play this! Don't play guys that are injured, right? Absolutely. I mean, You know, like play Hayden. I don't care if he is a freshman. Yeah, so injuries were a huge, huge factor last year that went into it. And, you know, the other thing is it is, you know, uh, I mean, we always talk about it. These are kids, right? It's a long season. There's going to be ups and downs, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, who would have thought, you know, Michigan would – you know, after beating Ohio state and winning the big 10 championship would just lay down like they did against a terrible, let's be on well, not terrible, but like a, a TCU team that should have not been in the playoff. And then Ohio state literally giving Georgia everything that they could possibly, Ugh. you know, fathom and, you know, a few big plays here and there are not every break going their way, you know, like we're sitting in the national championship. So it's like week to week, man, it's yeah. hard to know what you're going to get. And it's, what makes college football great, but I think we lose perspective on that, yep. and you know you draw conclusions, you know week to week that really actually aren't there. You know they're just kids, right? There yeah. might be something going on that you don't know about, or yeah. you know a guy's truly hurt, injuries, this, that, and the other, and it's uh, just makes it for a wild ride. So you know Ryan Day
0: moving more into a CEO role. Mm-hmm. and maybe being a little less involved in calling plays on game day a little slightly less involved in putting together the offensive game plan maybe that that's going to enable him to 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 keep an eye on things like what we're talking about right mm-hmm. playing time for guys being more mindful of keeping players fresh uh, as you say if there's something going behind the scenes with a certain player yeah I mean, addressing that and then of course in game uh Instincts. That's where okay. I felt uh, Ryan Day kind of overall as the CEO of a program. I felt like maybe within within the scope of the offense, he had good in-game instincts. But I kind of felt like there were moments in the game, either on special teams or defense, where you know a head coach is more of a CEO and has pulled back a little bit, could sense things that aren't quite right. Um, you know the the one example that I think of is in the Peach Bowl against Georgia, when Ohio State got a really bad matchup in that critical, uh, that critical seventy yard, seventy six yard touchdown that Georgia scored that got them right back in the game. You know yeah. that the, you could not afford to give up that touchdown, but that was a matchup that Georgia got. On, you know on a safety with a speedster on a safety. I feel like you know a head coach you know, the CEO head coach is going to know, is going to identify that and get a time out there. So it's little things like that, where I feel like Dave being more the CEO can have a better, you know, f- feel for what's going on across the board with his team and not just with the offense.
1: Sure. And on one side of the coin, right? Like Ur- Urban was a master at that, yeah. right? Like he, he just, he, he seemed to know, And push the right buttons at the right time and instinctually, you know, just and emotionally, for the most part, you know, uh, for the big, big games, had his teams exactly where you wanted them. Absolutely. Um, And and they performed and he did that masterfully. And like, he's obviously one of the best coaches and that's a a big piece of it. Um, On the other hand, there's absolutely no, you know, track record to say that Day has those skills only because he hasn't had to do it. Right, yeah. You know, so just, you know, taking him, you know, say he's not, you know, calling the offensive plays just because he's not doing that. And I think he's a great coach and he probably does, but there's no empirical evidence to suggest that he does possess that. So it'll be that's interesting. Another point. variable to
0: watch throughout the season. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. This will be the first time it, you know, Ryan Day is in this role as CEO. And we'll see if he actually does give up the play calling right i I would think that's going to be something that's going to be very difficult for him to step away from completely and and well uh, and i mean i think
1: wouldn't urban be there he 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 has veto rights that's right? right like that's right he's on the headset he's listening to all of it but you know he probably doesn't have to be thinking what are the next five plays so it's going to free him up at some point and then you know, when the defense is on the field, you know, it's, it would be somebody else that's probably huddling with the offense, so then he can free his time up. So I think you're right. Your instinct is right. He's, he's going to be intimately involved and probably vetoing here and there, but he should have a lot more capacity to do other things during the course of a game.
0: Yep. All right, PBH, give me your best guess at Ohio State's regular season record.
1: What is it, 12? 12, 12 yep. Oh man, That's a pretty hard schedule, bro. Yeah, I mean i I, I could easily see ten and two easily. Wow. Is that I your could, final? I mean, dude, let's be honest. Michigan at, at Michigan—that's going to be. There'll be an a underdog really in that game. hard game. Yeah, yeah. So to just think, hey, we're going to turn around and you know win that—I uh, think—is. You know, even the most rose colored Buckeye fan would, you know, have to admit that's gonna be a tough game. I can just see them losing the game, you know, in October and you know, losing again to Michigan. I could see it. I can also see them like you can make a strong case that, you know, they'll be undefeated too. I think so. Split the difference. I'll say, No, I'm gonna go ten and two. Wow, ten and two. And they
0: missed the playoffs.
1: Well, who knows? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, chances are, yeah. Right. Because you know, if they lose to Penn State or you know in our know, Michigan, yeah, then they probably do. Um, it's a hard schedule.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. No, it, it makes perfect sense. You make you make a sound argument there. I'm going to say eleven and one. I'm, I'm going to stick to the only loss will be to the Badgers in Madison. It's going to be a forgivable loss. It's not going to hurt them in the Big Ten standings as we discussed, and it that's an opportunity as well as we said. For maybe Brian Day to course correct on some things to put them in a better position to win the conference, and I even think I would bet a decent sum that Ohio State and Michigan make both make the playoff again this year. Mm, yeah, I I think yeah. Michigan Michigan's schedule is a joke. I think is they're it? gonna. I think they're gonna. Yeah, I, they're, it's a parade to eleven and zero for them, and um, I I could see. Yeah, I I could very very easily see both of them making it it'd be a little tricky though if both Ohio State and Michigan have one loss but um i could see them both making it i think you probably have to have one of them undefeated and one with one loss i maybe both right. wouldn't make yeah. it is as, is as, uh, but you know the, the it's it's wide open this season i think uh, georgia's still going to be the favorite they're loaded you got to respect alabama they're going to be loaded but they're both breaking in new quarterbacks right and um you know i don't think anything's necessarily guaranteed between the two of them either anyway we can we can cover
1: the national landscape in another pod pbh yeah we should do that uh, some other topic ta- like I want to talk about what a crybaby Nick Saban has turned into. He's just a whiny bitch these days. Like, everything about him, I'm like, dude, stop! Like you, you, you sound pathetic at this point. Was man. this
0: the interview where he said, "Well, if Vegas had us favored to yeah. beat three or four, well, yeah. why aren't we in the playoff?" Well, you know what I thought that is my 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 perception of that was that. Um, he he knows he's got no one at quarterback, and he's probably staring down the barrel of another two-loss season. So he's starting to make his argument now right. yeah. for to get into the playoff. This is the last year, as we know, for the four-team format. I think he's starting to make his argument now uh, to get his team
1: in with as a two-loss non-champ. <laughs> yeah yeah it just it strikes me as like dude you're better than that it's come on nick yeah you know it's like Whoa. i think he's shameless man whatever he, he'll do whatever yeah, he needs to do to get his team in right i I got <laughs>
0: <Yeah. laughs> Um, all right, buddy. Listen, we we are well over an hour. I thought that was a great nice. effort. Uh, thanks so much for making the time. Unless you've got anything else you want to share,
1: no, this was fun. The- I'm glad we did it. Um, we'll keep whatever topics we didn't get to today, and you know, maybe we do this in another three weeks. And as we, uh, I love that. You know. Uh, brush off the rust for the for the full season, the oh. full season run of the South Stands. <laughs> That's right. Okay, buddy. Well, thanks so much for making the time. Let's
0: plan to reconvene in a few weeks, maybe uh, during fall camp, uh, maybe as it's starting to have a look at, at at fall camp. You've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye Football Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.